Welcome to One Blonde Takes on the World with me, your host, Mirabeth Bentley. We've made it to episode four. Ooh, I'm so proud of us. Most of all me, but I'm also proud of you a bit for continuing to show up and do the work of subscribing and listening and reviewing. Five stars for you and for me. We deserve it. Heck, take six stars. Who's going to stop us? Well, how have you been? What have you been up to? What is nourishing you? Any good smoothie recipes? Any good festivals? Any good um, sitting room designs that are really singing to you right now? I want to hear about all your good stuff. (laughs) And me, you ask? Thriving, darlings. Just thriving. Really and truly. And because I am thriving, I'm going to try to get through this episode as much as possible without mentioning that couple, the evil, poisonous, venomous couple. I'm not going to call them snakes because snakes are a part of nature and nature is a goddess. But they're vampires, sucking up joy and happiness and beauty and goodness. And and if you like vampires, I'm sorry. Insert your own evil creature here. I can't do all your work. Oh, what do they call them in the UK? Oh yeah, just vampires. Never mind. Oh, and if any of you have followed Poppy the Puppy's Instagram account mentioned last episode, I want you to stop listening to this immediately. Unfollow Poppy, maybe report them, but probably not because that would be misusing resources. So it's just an idea and then block them and then come back and finish the episode because no one, no one should be following that vampiric pair and their cursed adopted hairy offspring. Oh yes, me, back to me. More about me a little later, but I've become quite the little student this last while, if you catch my drift. Okay, now is the time to jump right into episode four. Here we go. We start off, as we always do, with trends and reviews. You know I love Tara Timpson. If you listened to the first episode, you know I reviewed her debut album, Tara Timpson. And if you haven't, please go back and take a listen. Well, lovelies, her first film has come out. I'm excited to tell you, though you probably already know, that it's just the start of a trilogy. Well, it's starting as a trilogy, but you know, she's been dropping lots of hints on Instagram that a TV series is in the works, so you never know. Lots of Tara content to keep us going, yes please! Unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know the trilogy is called Ocean Queen. Film the first... The Queen of the Ocean. It stars Tara Timpson in her first ever starring role. Lane Burrow, it's his production company. Uh, Clara Andre and Greg Tier. The chemistry between Tara and Lane is intense. I mean, it's no wonder. Rumors are already starting to fly that Tara is the reason Lane left his wife of two months and their three dogs. When they showed up together at the premiere, holding hands and acting coy. Well, let's just say even if they won't confirm it, it's pretty obvious what's going on. Anyway, to the plot. It was, I admit, occasionally difficult to keep up with the plot. Not that I'm saying that they lost it. (laughs) But some things just didn't always seem to make sense. The movie is mostly set on a cruise ship, HMS Ocean Queen. Tara Timpson is the lounge singer, coincidentally named Queenie. Lane is the captain. They just call him captain. He's left his wife on shore. They've just had a massive argument right before he leaves. And he can feel the magnetism of Queenie. The moment he lays eyes on her as she sits crooning at the piano the first night of the cruise. On the ship of life, we are all passengers. 
Will you be my captain through the stormy waves? If you'll be my captain, I'll be your guiding star. Just look into my eyes, that's where you'll see my love. There's clearly animal magnetism. No, you've already said that. Um, there's clearly, there's clearly animal att- attraction. There's clearly animal attraction between the two of them. Very good. Which noticeably grows all the while different passengers continue to disappear as large bloodstains appear and the detective, played by Clara Alexandre, keeps trying to solve the mystery. Okay, so other things happen, passengers are missing, and there's lots of blood. The detective is detecting, and Greg Tier looks like a little sus, but also hot in that smoldery bad boy way he's got playing first mate. And there's been a lot of flirting just in general. That's really all you need to know to get up to speed to get to the ending. I'm good at this review stuff, aren't I, babes? Eventually, the ship docks in the fictional Caribbean island of St. Angelo, knowing a hurricane is fast approaching. Queenie and Captain have been flirting and having all these deep conversations. She's shared a little about her tragic past. No spoilers. But he's tight-lipped about his own. They've docked when word comes through that Captain's wife has been eaten by an octopus after her boat sank while she was trying to surprise him because she wanted to make up with him. Their rule was always never leave and go on a cruise ship while angry. And he broke that rule. The captain is devastated. He left without them having made up, and he's been flirting with an entirely different lady the entire journey, ignoring his wife's calls and texts, and he told first mate, also his best friend, so possibly nepotism, but who knows, to not tell Queenie about his wife. So when Captain goes to Queenie for comfort, saying out of the blue, hey, my wife's dead, and I'm very sad, and can you comfort me? But also, now there's a future for us, which you probably had already assumed was a thing. Will you officially date me? Queenie understandably runs away into the hurricane, but he can't lose both the important women in his life. I say both because it's never made clear whether or not he has a mother, so I guess the statement could also be he can't lose two of the three important women in his life. So after he cools down from the frustration that she's run away, he's like, wait, am I about to lose another woman in my life without having made up with her again? So of course he runs into the storm after her. He finds her pinned down by a fallen tree, freezing to death, probably. He wraps her up in his arms, and then he starts to sing to her the same song she was singing to him when they locked eyes when she was at the piano the first day, like a reprise. I looked into your eyes, and I saw your love. Let me be your captain, we can probably be together, but please don't die. Under this tree, right now, lovely Queenie baby. And then there's this key change, and like they break out into harmony, but I can't do that because I'm just one person. But oh my gosh, it's just wow. They declare their eternal love for each other and they finally kiss. And the film ends with them safely on the ship, smiling at each other on board while the sun sets behind them and they sail away. But then you see an octopus swimming in the same direction and you have to wonder, is that important for the narrative? Important for the second installment? 
Probably, but time will tell. Because, like, an octopus ate his wife, but also they're just in the ocean regularly, and maybe he got in the shot, and the director was like, yes, this is exactly what the shot needs. Octopus! Of course, Tara sings the soundtrack. The haunting sound of the main theme, just chill-inducing. And having Tara play both Queenie and the captain's wife, just wearing a red wig and glasses when she was the wife? Genius. And Lane, (laughs) sorry, Captain... Being shirtless for 90% of the movie, even though I'm pretty sure that's not official Captain Dress, great directing choice. No, I'm serious. Any scene he's with the guests, which is maybe five scenes, he's wearing a top, but otherwise, nada. I guess it's very hot on board. And when he is with the guests, more often than not, the writers have written into the scene a moment that means he gets to take his top off. Someone spills a drink here. Oops, don't worry, ma'am, let me help you clean it up whips off his shirt oh no dear tama you spilled your popsicle don't worry let me clean it up oh dear detective you seem to have come across lots of blood splatter let me help you clean it up now i don't think the detective was too pleased when captain helped with that one but you know what he was trying to be helpful and he didn't want the guests to get a fright at the sight of the blood customer service mindset and he could probably get any blood stains out of his captain's uniform later using the washboard that is his abs. On the whole, four stars out of five. Go see it for yourselves, Beth's babes, and write in and tell me what you think. And I'm going to leave a little teaser here. I have it on good authority from the Tara Timpson fan club, e.g. me, that Tara may or may not but definitely does have a book dropping next month. And if this should be true, I think it would be great fun to read it together, like in a book club. I should have my hands on a copy of it by the next episode. A little birdie told me the book is called The Date. So, Beth's babes, get your hands on The Date, and we're going to start book club next episode in place of trends and reviews. It'll be our own date. If you've been with me since the beginning, which for this podcast was three episodes ago, y'all know I'm obsessed with Cyclone Cosmetics. Cyclone or Sunshine will stay stuck on like cement. Well, I've done an ad for them and nothing. Crickets. So not only nothing, but a noisy nothing. A great gopping maw of nothing. Though, while they haven't hired me, they also haven't hired that she-wolf that is my evil twin sister, Becky, which, yay! But we must ever be one step ahead. Am I right, Beth's babes? So I was thinking I should do another free, for now, ad for them. And I was thinking outside the box. Like, what would grab their attention in a way a normal ad wouldn't? I mean, we've all heard cosmetics ads. Yay, makeup! And I've been thinking, a PSA! Everyone loves a good PSA. That's public service announcement for anyone not in the know. They're, uh, They're motivational. They show the company aligns with... Something like something good, I think. Uh, The company has a brain. They're switched on. They're not afraid to tackle the hard stuff, the nitty gritty stuff that affects everyone. So my brilliant PSA for Cyclone Cosmetics is, drumroll please, all about staying hydrated because of course, because they're Cyclone Cosmetics. And our tagline is, get drenched and stay quenched. Remember, peeps, we all need about eight glasses of water each day. Don't be sour. Throw a lemon in instead. And don't be salty because that is disgusting. Okay, and just in case it was a lack of music that's been keeping marketers from recognizing my genius. Viola. 
Cyclone Cosmetics has been with you from the start. From your prom when you teared up, to holding your first niece or nephew, skin or fur. From the proposal to the breakup, no matter the tears you've cried, we've stayed on your side and on your skin and your eyelashes. And if you've ever been in a real cyclone with us on you, you know we're on you. Remember Barbara Jones? She stayed outside reporting for 12 hours a day, 10 days straight, when that nasty hurricane rolled through a couple years ago, and her makeup was as flawless when she went to bed as when she went out to do battle with that monster. And what was she wearing? Cyclone Cosmetics. You know it. I know it. And what else was Barbara doing on screen besides being a bad butt brat? Eating energy bars and drinking water, because she knew even though her face was sopping wet, her insides were a desert. She stayed quenched when she was drenched. We at Cyclone Cosmetics are here to remind you to do the same, drenched or dry. Water on your face can mean a lot of different things, but remember, it's the water inside of you that counts. Babes, we all need to get drenched and stay quenched. Internally. Cyclone Cosmetics. Now, lovelies, bye, 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 and bye, bye, and maybe Cyclone Cosmetics will call soon. Lovelies, time to get back into what am I wearing? So for those of you who have been wondering about, um, I guess it was episode two, I was wearing a Valentino tailored trousers and Brunello Cuccellini sequined tank top, or as the Brits say, vest might, um, which was very confusing to me when I moved there because here a vest is more like what they would call a gilet. Okay, now how would you expect to spell that, dear North Americans? Uh, maybe G-E-U-L-A-E-G-H? Uh, maybe with a J even? I had to have a friend spell that for me the first time I heard it because, well, it's not what you think it would be. It's G-I-L-E-T, like a gillet. Anyway, live and learn. Oh, so yes. Okay, what am I wearing? On to today. So I thought I'd switch it up a bit. One piece, a light, fluffy cloud of a dream. It's short, but not too short and very covered up in other ways. I could wear it to a tea with the queen and supper with the in-laws, but also totally get scouted for Vogue in it. So really, multi-purpose. It has a bit of an antique feel to it as well, though it's a couple feet too short to be truly authentic. And it's the color of a delicate pink rose. So let me know what you think. There are so many clues here. I know you've got it. And lovelies, if this really isn't going down well, I may just decide to cut it. We have lots more I could do. Um, so for example, I had thought maybe I could do a sort of agony and advice column, like Mirror Beth's Perspective or Beth's Two Cents. Maybe a different name. But anyways, I wondered if that maybe wouldn't be more useful, as I'm obviously full of great amounts of wisdom with loads of life advice that I would love to share with you. So if this is still a bit of a damp squib, who knows? Next ep, it might be Beth's Two Cents, or Name to be Determined. You know what? Send any burning questions you have to me, and if I get an overwhelming response, we're changing it. I've decided. You can always reach me at obtotw at twitter or at gmail.com. 
detour to Hottie of Mind and Body because this is already a loaded episode. So today I want to feature Ardis Stevens. He is the new, uh, well, since 2020, CEO of Big Brothers and Big Sisters, which is just a hugely good organization. He's been awarded the American Marketing Association Foundation's 2018 National Nonprofit Marketer of the Year for his work with 4-H. Now, the only problem I have with this is that I was a girl scout or girl guide, depending on who you ask and where you are. And as such, I remain intensely loyal to the brand. Others at my school, however, were happy being in 4-H, and we did not see eye to eye. It became very much a my crew versus yours thing and just bad memories. There were four of them, ironically, possibly don't know how to really use that word if I'm honest. The dead seagull riots of seventh grade? Ugh. Don't ask, babes. Don't ask. She thought she could take us on, but let me tell you, Molly McGuire and her little goon squad couldn't take the heat when the heat got switched on. <laughs> we ended up calling them the four hoes of the gullpocalypse. <laughs> I wish I could say we came up with that. No, but our adult guider did. She was the best. 4-H's motto may be to make the best better, but babes, sorry, too late. I'm the best, and there's no improving on the best. That's why I'm Empress M. Oh, but that said, this portion of the podcast isn't supposed to be about me. So I will finish by saying he's clearly done good work and is incredibly intelligent and motivating, a great leader doing important work and very easy on the eyes. So y'all should know about him. And finally, again, he's married to a doctor. But the sweetest thing is, and I quote, Artist says his most remarkable achievement is being voted world's best dad annually for more than a decade by his wife and his two girls. And just, doesn't that say everything about the man? Love it. A quick note, I have had one listener make a hottie of mind and body request, a former doctor no less, which I'm considering. So if you have others, please do let me know and I'd be interested to hear. No promises though. able to guess what I was going to talk about in this section of the podcast because I left a little teaser in the last episode about what we were going to tackle in Lester Love. The last two episodes, actually. <laughs> in fact, a few of you reached out to me on social media to guess. Let's see if you were right. Because some people might find history boring, I know I do sometimes, I will be doing a fictionalized, dramatic retelling of the moment they found King Richard III in a car park in Leicester. Canada has heritage minutes. I have Mirabeth minutes. Well, Mirabeth moments. I'm not going to be tied to a time frame. Or maybe dramatic moments revisited with Mirabeth Bentley. Name to be determined. Quality always on point. The part of Matthew Morris, who actually found King Richard, will be played by me. And the part of Lynn Foxall, also involved in some way, will also be played by me. And Joe Appleby, also involved in some way, will be played by my friend Clifton. Just kidding. Sorry, love. It'll also be played by me. And remember, I said fictionalized. This in no way reflects reality. I didn't search for a play-by-play of the day because I just know my retelling will give a certain je ne sais quoi to the moment that was probably actually lacking from the day. Yeah, they found a king. 
but I am Mirabeth Bedley, Empress M. I will not only do it justice, I will elevate it. Okay, right. So without further ado, the first ever Mirabeth moment. Dig, 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 brush, brush, brush. So, mm. Dig, 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 brush, brush, brush. So happy to be here. First hour, first day. Let's do it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. There's a worm. There's a worm there. Oh, gosh. Okay, okay, okay. Worm time. <sighs> Hi. Okay, I'm not going to hurt you, but neither am I willing to touch you. So let me just scoop you up with this trowel. Get you out of here. Okay, you can stay in this little bucket for now and promise you will get put down in a lovely, muddy place later. Deep breath, Matthew, deep breath. Okay. Dig, dig, dig. Wait. Wait a second. I found bones. But it's just the first hour of the first day. I'm going to cover them up again and then we can come back. We need to literally explore the rest of this site to make sure the jobs are good and, and this is really where he might have been buried. Two weeks later. Well, I guess we didn't find bones anywhere else. Would you like to see the bones I told you I found the first hour of the first day, Lynn Foxall on Joe Appleby? Okay, Matthew Morris, yes. That would be good. I too agree that it would be good to see them. Okay, here's where the bone was. All right, now we dig. The head, the, the spine. Oh my gosh, look at that spine. So bent, so, so curved. It must be him. Find a descendant of a relative and then we can do a DNA test. And scene. Wow. It was truly like I was there. And listener, that's literally what they did. They got living descendants of his sisters and made the DNA connection. And they really did originally find Richard within the first hour of the first day in a car park in Leicester and then come back a few weeks later when they were like, hold on, that probably is the right spot. I don't know if there was a worm, and I don't know if Matthew does or does not like worms. Please feel free to reach out, Matthew. But I do think there quite possibly were worms. And if it was me and I was digging and saw a worm, that is the reaction I would have. And thus, it is authentic to me, which I think lent something to the experience we've just shared. I hope you too feel like you have learned something about how Richard was found. I mean, I wrote and performed the thing, so I definitely feel like I've learned something. And that's why Richard III and Lester go together like bread and Lester. Cheese! <laughs> Babes, where are you at? Empress M is waiting for your correspondence. You can always be in touch at obtotw on Twitter or at gmail.com. Thankfully, or not, 
my two most faithful writers continue to write. Jeffrey is out of hospital, finally. He has moved back home with Barkerville, his dog. He is continuing to send me uncomfortable and weird photographs. Today, it is of two pigeons who he feels represents our love. So thanks, Jeffrey. And yeah, maybe those pigeons are just really good friends or... Maybe they'll be eaten by dogs soon. You never know, Jeffrey. Don't get too invested, okay? And um, Janice is back. Dear Mirabeth, thank you for your response, though I'm not entirely sure what you meant when you said, please don't email me back unless you have something complimentary to say about my podcast and larger art and life. As I don't know who you are or what some of those words are supposed to mean in that context, I will continue on as we were before. You say you're not interested in purchasing some of our fine underwear undies, but I know when you've had longer to consider their incredible variety, sizes, and shapes, you will change your mind. In the meantime, perhaps you'd be interested in subscribing to my very popular newsletter, Baltimore Bottoms. In this newsletter, I share with my lovely readers all the newest upcoming trends in undergarments, what's coming up next with underwear undies, and which local celebrities have been spotted wearing our super comfy and on-trend pairs. We include pictures, fun anecdotes, and little quizzes. Each month, we pick a newsletter subscriber to make subscriber of the month. They get to fill out a little quiz about themselves and make lots of new friends. Actually, note for me, Mirabeth, that's not a bad idea. I've attached my latest newsletter to this email. Take a look and let me know what you think. Your favorite underwear undies sales master, Janice in Baltimore. Okay, looking at the newsletter, the local celebrities include a local city councilor, a weather guy, and a dog who just had his between me down there surgery. Get well soon, Chester. The undies featured this month, I'm happy to report, our black faux snake leather briefs for him, her, or them, and, oh, an anagram. This could be fun. Um, they've used the phrase black faux leather briefs to make the anagram, and the clue is, while the second is the same, the first is special of the third, and the last are lovely peckers. What? What does that even mean? While the second is the same, the first is special of the third, and the last are lovely peckers. The first, no, the second is the same. Would that mean the second word is the same in both the first phrase and the anagram? Maybe. Uh, the first is special of the third. Okay, well, the third is leather, so what's, what's special about... You know what? No, I'm not going to do this. I'm sorry, everyone. I know that's not fun, but I'm just going to find the answer and check it. Um, okay, here it is. Uh, well, it does make sense, I guess. Pause now if you want to figure it out for yourselves, or else I'll just give you the answer in five, four, three, two, one. The answer is breathable faux flickers, which just sounds dirty, Janice but it does work. Is this what you all want? I guess let me know. Or else if I keep getting these stupid newsletters, I can, sorry, or else if I keep getting these very informative and lovely newsletters, Janice, I can keep sharing the anagrams with you. I mean, if Janice is doing all the work, why should I as well? Anyway, since we know she's not listening, nor is she taking direction well, I'm just gonna ignore this. We go on, babes. 
And do, again, as I said, feel free to get in touch at ob2otw at gmail or on Twitter. Well, that's babes. We finally come to the catch-up. And you may have guessed it, but yes, I signed up for my old English TAs class. I hate to be so predictable, but how could I not? Really? And it's been quite eye-opening so far. The course list is definitely a bit different than your normal English class. No Pride and Prejudice or the yellow wallpaper here. We started with Cinderella, but a Cinderella with a modern twist, where she becomes a harpy and kills her stepmother and stepsisters and then takes their bodies and the prince to her lair. And, well, that's about as much as I can comfortably say on this podcast. And then there was Beauty and the Beast, but Beauty ended up stalking the Beast, finding him, and then convincing him to love her. And then when he turned back into a human, she captured him. And then there was a massive knife fight with Beauty trying to fight off all the recently returned to human form humans in the castle. And Beauty fought them off and then flew out the window on a broom with the tied up prince on the back. And then the feather duster kept the top half of their body as human, but the dusting feather stayed as their bottom half, and they winked at the rest of the newly human servants and flew out the window after Beauty and the Beast, or the Prince, I guess. And then that was the end. So, not the version I grew up with, but interesting. It really makes you think. I would like to do a slight humble brag. I've been offering lots of very insightful comments, and always almost always, do my readings. Mr. Fisher, William, well, to me, privately, has commented very pointedly that I've made some very insightful and important comments. In fact, my comment about the physical description of beauty during the knife fight, when I pointed out the way beauty's hair was described as a fiery red instead of brunette, as in the rest of the story, drew the audience's attention to both the physical flames in the castle and the flashing blood on her knife, but also the psychological fire and bleeding in her heart, led Will to say he was now going to think about that passage in a completely brand new way. So maybe I found a new calling, Mirabeth Bentley, English critic extraordinaire. (laughs) Has a nice ring to it. But enough about the class and my innate English lit skills. Everyone, he's divorced. He's single and ready to mingle, I think, probably. He's definitely got a drinking problem and seems fairly unhappy just generally. And sometimes mentions that his kids are living with his ex-wife, who he always calls Madame Boobery, like Madame Bovary, I guess, which makes me think, A, she must be adulterous, and B, well endowed. Like if she went to a fruit market, they would offer her a basket for the melons she was carrying as soon as she walked in the door. Anyway, that much of his emotional state is obvious through the Zoom screen. But I can work with that. I want my second chance. And you're all going to root for me. I thought life was kicking my butt because it was being a banshee. But I was wrong. She was kicking my butt right to where I needed to be. Life has kicked my butt all the way back to Will. And I feel like I might be in love already. I want to redeem the awkward, greasy, unfashionable mess who was in that lift and our elevator with him. And also, well, you know, I want to be happy. And this hot man who I've always fancied just happens to come into my life wholly unexpectedly. Well, that seems to be the universe and karma and all my guardian angels coming together to give me a present. And don't I deserve it? The only teeny tiny thing, maybe slight problem is 
I'm not sure he remembers who I am, and I guess fair. It's been a few years. A big plus for me, though I guess a negative for him, and my chances of him remembering me, is that he's going through a divorce. And also now he's got kids, and also marking, and whatever else professors have to do on his mind. And I'm different. I'm so different. And so, really, it it would be hugely insulting if you remembered me because of how I looked. Though... My name is the same. I also spoke up in his last class. I always thought we had this super deep connection, and I still think that. But I also think it's been buried by the weight of incredible sadness and a lot of wine. If you're screaming at your listening device, just tell him. Patience, young grasshopper. I will. Oh, yes, you better believe that I will. But I'm biding my time. There's probably some sort of conflict of interest about dating your students or something. And I don't want to add to his stress levels right now. What about Nana Killer? So I'm just going to show up to every class, all done up, camera on, which, I mean, big thing, because, like, nobody does. Like, me and two other people. Tits out, looking attentive, and make the best impression possible. And remember how I mentioned we studied The Tempest when I was in his class years ago on the last podcast? Well, I'm going to see if I can't plant some seeds. Our next assignment is to take a famous story written before 1616, the year Shakespeare dies, and give it a modern twist. And I'm doing The Tempest, baby. Oh, why, Mirabeth? I used to teach this years ago. How funny. Oh, gosh. Will. I mean, William. Oh, sorry. I mean, Mr. Fisher. What a funny coincidence. If only your former students could see you now, huh? Raised eyebrows, husky voice. A masterstroke. Now, if you don't know The Tempest, the way I remember it is Prospero, magician dad, and Miranda, ingenue daughter, are stuck on a deserted island because of Prospero's totally nasty usurping brother. So much usurping in literature and history. Does that even happen anymore? Although I guess Becky kind of usurped me. (laughs) Which is great, because you know what? Usurpers always get their comeuppance. (laughs) Oh, sorry, back to the summary. So with Prospero and Miranda are Ariel, a possibly resentful but very helpful sprite, and Caliban, who definitely isn't great, but is also in an abusive situation. He can't leave, which doesn't help. So I believe the term complicated character can rightfully be applied here, not like when Becky used it to describe herself on Tinder. She may be a two-faced bee brat, uh, but that's not complicated, babes. That's basic. Anyway, who should rock up but Prospero's evil scheming brother with a hottie of mind and body who is also a prince named Ferdinand. Miranda, obviously, wants to get it on with old Fergie immediately. Shenanigans and love and marriage and rescue ensue. Finn. So here's my modern twist on The Tempest, which is basically the same, but the island is full of little droids and Caliban is a thinking robot and Ariel is speaking Wi-Fi like uh, Alexa or assistant and Miranda saves Ferdinand from something. Haven't got that far yet, Uh, but she's definitely going to fly away uh, from the island with Ferdinand and Prospero on a broom because that seems to be a key theme in some of these stories. And I want to show that I'm learning the themes and incorporating them into my own work. Thankfully, we don't have to write the entire thing out. We only have to do a detailed plot showing how we're taking the classic story and building on it and then rewrite two or three scenes. We already know that our last assignment will be to write our very own adult fairy tales from scratch. So, well, let's just say I'm going to be sharing my work on here. So put your editing caps on because Empress M needs the best mark possible to impress dear Mr. Fisher. I might have some material written for the next pod. So wait and see. And, and... 
And yeah, that's it. But I think that's more than enough. I'm just so happy. Darlings, we are almost at the end of another episode. Have you felt uplifted, inspired, informed? I know I have. So we finally come to Mirabeth's quote. My quote for you and I today, my babes, is this. Take a chance. Ride that bike. Buy that hat. Have that third white wine spritzer. You never know how far away you are from that one decision that can change everything. And fear not, because life does not run on deadlines. Life is like a river. You will turn when the bend appears before you and make and take as many turns or changes or chances as you need. You are out there, but you are also inside yourself. Do not fight the river, but embrace it. And wear a life vest, because sometimes there are rapids, and I want you to make it to the other side. Great. You know, I really think I'm going to take that advice. (laughs) I'm so smart. Okay, that's all for this week, Beths Babes. Lots of love from Empress M. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and review. And if you don't like it, please don't tell me, because I don't need to know, and I don't care. (laughs) Please do get in touch, lovelies. It's my show, but I want to hear from you. O-B-T-O-T-W on Twitter or at gmail.com. But remember, my show, my rules, sweeties. See you next time. Bye-bye.